I'm Danny Hicks. Welcome to the Not-So-Secret Agent Podcast, where we learn from top real estate agents how they maintain a thriving business all while living the good life. So I'd like to start off with, I know you very well, but but I'd like to kind of introduce you to our audience a little bit. Tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into real estate. So Shannon Milligan here in Richmond, Virginia. I kind of specialize more on the South Side, the Midlothian, Chesterfield area. And I've been selling since 2010 is when I got my license. I sold my first home in 2012. I sold three homes that year. Yeah, I was a baller. And uh, the year after that, I sold 30. And most of my business came from blogging because we had moved from Northern Virginia and we really didn't know anybody here. We knew one person and they were not going to hire me because I was brand new. So I learned to blog and that's kind of how I built my business. And uh, it's been wonderful. I'm with EXP Realty. I've been around a block or two at the brokerages, but I've been here for, I'm going on seven years now. So I really love it. And it's been, it's been a blessing to be able to help as many people as I can in this position, not just buy and sell homes, but other agents as well, help them find what they love to do in their business. Which is really cool because that ties into kind of why we're doing this podcast. Um, what were you doing before you got into real estate? You mentioned you did three homes your first year and you know, came coming from Northern Virginia, knew no one, but I mean, I'll, I'll, it's always interesting to hear what we do before we started the dark arts of real estate. So fun fact, I went to school to be an elementary school teacher and I student taught one time and the very next day I went into school and I'm like, change my major. I'm not going to do this. They're like, what do you want to change it to? I'm like, I don't care. Whatever fits my (laughs) credits. And that ended up being uh, communication with an emphasis in public relations. So after college, I worked for a pharmaceutical company that did all of their events. So it wasn't like we worked for a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company. We worked for a pharmaceutical company that did event planning. So we did all the events for these pharmas. And I really learned how to, you know, create just fun atmospheres for people. And then we went and we moved around a lot for my husband's job. And I ended up taking a position with Caldwell Banker in upstate New York, where I was their marketing associate for six of their offices. And I did all of their advertising and I did all of their marketing. So I had that events background and then I was learning the advertising and the marketing. And when my husband got relocated again to uh, Pennsylvania, I had to do the marketing on my own property, but I had to pay a fat commission. <laughs> and I thought, well, hey, why, why am I doing this? You know, when I'm having to market my own property, maybe I should become an agent. Moved to Pennsylvania, got pregnant with twins, couldn't really do anything. It was too expensive to send them to daycare. So I started to read a lot about real estate. I started to go on websites such as City Data, and I started to absorb everything everyone was saying about real estate. So finally, when my husband got relocated to Virginia, Northern Virginia, I took a job there purposely with a large team to work as their office manager because I wanted to work the ground floor up. I wanted to be in the mailroom up kind of thing because I knew how to advertise. I knew how to market. I knew how to do the events, but I wanted to learn contracts because I felt like I wanted to make sure I did this properly. And Danny knows this about me uh, on the disc profile. I'm a high D with a very high C right below it. So I want done things fast, but I want it done right. And that compliance part of me really wanted me to understand the position before I was helping somebody with probably their biggest investment. So then when we moved to Richmond, thus started the blogging and my business. 
And I know you you got into the blogging. That's really how you got things going. But by the time we met, you were already kind of working by referral. You, you were doing the blogging to fill the front end, but a lot of your business was coming from past clients, like doing a really good job for them and then kind of staying in front of them. And that's really what attracted the two of us because like that's predominantly what I'm doing, you know, just staying in front of everybody. Um, and, and talk a little bit about that. What are you doing to kind of stay in front of them, maintain relationships, that sort of thing? Um, well, in the beginning, when I only sold three homes, I was going around because I was newer, right? And I was new to the area. So I was putting my kids in the, I want to say stroller, but in the wagon. And I was going into my own neighborhood, which is a new construction neighborhood. And I was putting in calendars and market updates and really grassroots kind of stuff. And I was meeting people and I was starting to build relationships that way. And that's how I got my very first listing was by doing that. And so I, I immediately understood the benefit of relationship building. And so when I then sold 30 homes, I now had 30 plus the three. I had 33 people that I could stay in touch with. And I really loved working with a lot of the people that I worked with. And so it just dawned on me, well, maybe I can work with more of them. And the other thing that really stuck with me to be able to create a uh, referral-based business was it's about reciprocity. And I remember when I was back in school, I was co-captain majorette. And I've told this story before. I The co-captain would go and do a solo on the football field the very first game. And then the captain would do the last game. So let's just say there's 12 games. So I would go first and she would go 12. And in between, people would try out to get solos. So the very first game, I get out, I do my thing. And the captain comes with these flowers for me. And I was like, oh, that's really great. That's awesome. So then game two through 11, everybody, you know, that have that won their solo did a solo. And she brought them flowers to each of their, their performances. And I thought, well, that's really nice. And then it dawned on me on game 12, she did her solo. And all of a sudden, she has 11 people bringing her 11 bouquets of flowers because she had given each one of them. And that really taught me early on the lesson of reciprocity and relationship building. And that has always stuck with me. So when I sold, you know, those three houses, I kind of built off that a little bit. And then when I sold the 30, I had a bigger pot to build on. And so if somebody was having a baby, I was delivering a bear that I had a little um, necklace made for that said RVA home team, you know, congratulations from RVA home team. And I would drop that off. And I was doing a lot of the Buffini stuff that I know you do without knowing that it was Buffini. And so I then went to a Buffini meeting and I thought, oh, I'm on the right track. I just innately do this. And I just continue to build on that with events and loving on the people that have loved on me. I, full disclosure, I did buy some leads up until about 2015 uh, when Zillow changed the way that they were marketing things. So uh, that's a whole other story. And then I quit buying any leads in 2016 and I've been referral only since. Yeah, I find that a lot of people are buying things as they get started in one way or the other. You know, you might be actually buying the Zillow leads. And I know in, in our community, we're definitely down on that. We're, you know, we're not supportive of that overly. But I do find that a lot of people, especially when they're building their teams and they've got agents that are coming that don't quite have a database yet to kind of supplement, I'm seeing that. But you could also argue, you know, when, when you do pop buys, that's still sort of buying leads because you're spending money on actual marketing. It's not Oh, word of mouth, I just did a great job and they're going to give it to me. You're, you're being proactive and asking for those leads. Um, 
and, and you are going to spend a couple of bucks to do that, whether it's a client party or, or, or anything like that. So I don't think that the whole spending money is, is overly, you know, as evil as sometimes we make it out to be. Because I've definitely found myself early in the career looking at people going, well, they buy their leads. Of course they're there. And, you know, you can make all the excuses you want, but, but we got to get on the board before, you know, does that make sense? It does. I think the difference is it's not about the money in that sense. It's a warm lead when it comes from a past client or somebody in your sphere versus a cold lead that is reaching out via the internet and they may or may not really want to talk to you and you're going to have to contact them probably 13, 15 times to really get them to talk to you at this point versus when it's coming from a past client or somebody in your sphere, there is just, it's just an easier handoff. There is um, already a little bit of that relationship building already foundationally there that you can build upon versus having to start over with the each Zillow lead or what have you. And I I don't think that there's anything wrong with leads. I do think, especially when you're starting out, my friend Neil Mathweg talks about attracting and chasing. You need to have both. So I do attraction marketing, and that's how I get most of my business. Uh, there is chasing, which is the Zillow. And there's a place for all of it, just depending on where you are in your business and what you want your business to look like. Totally makes sense. Um, what are some of the tweaks that you've made in the business for this market? Because you and I talk about this a lot. And the one thing in particular that that you know we've done on the buyer side is kind of in our taking on clients and, and what we're looking for in our clients and that sort of thing. Did you want to speak to that a little bit? I've gotten picky and I've, I've gotten to a place in my career. Let me say this up front. I've been doing this a long time now, so I can get a little picky. Um, I am just get, I'm niching down to where I want to be. I no longer really want to be going an hour away to show property, especially in this market, because if we're trying to help clients and we're writing three, four, five offers and not getting it, and then you have to start over and you have to drive that hour again for each house that you're showing them. It's a little bit much. Now, in the beginning, I had to work like Mark Cuban said, you got to work so hard. Like if you got up to use the bathroom, somebody's going to come over and eat your lunch. And so I worked like a dog. I mean, I was constantly out on the road. I was never home. I was showing property. I was taking it off. But now I'm just niching down. I'm working some specific areas. Now, let's say a seller is in uh, Mechanicsville and it's an hour away. Of course, I'm going to take that. And if they want to buy because I'm also helping them sell, yeah, that's a different story versus getting a referral from a fellow agent that wants me to show property in Northern Virginia, which is two hours away, there's a lot of agents with that scarcity mentality right now that they're like, oh, I'll take anything. I'll take anything. And I'm going to drive two hours one way. I truly believe in doing what's best for the client as well. So it's not only what's best for me, which is not driving all over the place, but it's also what's best for that client. And me going into a market that I really don't know all that well is not going to serve them well. And I know some people might hear this and like, what does this have to do with anything? But it does. I'm debt free. You know, we are debt free kind of people. We've paid off our home. I never have to put somebody else's, um, I never have to put my needs above somebody else's. So I can go ahead and go into an appointment and I can walk away from something because I don't need that paycheck. I'd love to have that paycheck. I love to be competitive with myself. But at the end of the day, I don't have to do it because I don't live in that 
debt, debt society anymore. So it gives you a freedom that's a little bit different. So basically to answer your question, I've gotten really picky about who I'm going to work with, when I'm going to work. And um, I have the luxury of that because I have built a successful business and I'm out of debt. And now I'm able to make some different choices. Plus you and I have uh, started to build something really cool with our co-op where we can support other agents and still support ourselves. So if I do want to get picky, I can go to another agent in our co-op and say, hey, I know you've got your business, but I have this buyer. Do you want it? And then I'll get a referral fee. So we've created this really cool kind of, I hate to use the word, but synergy thing where everybody can benefit. Yeah, I think that's really important. We're not so she mentioned our co-op and, and really, honestly, we vetted other agents that are, that are very similar to us in style and, and quality and, and how they're going to treat their clients. And that's been the really important part. So it's not like you're handing them off cold. You might, you know, if, if they're heading to New Kent County, you driving across the entire Central Virginia doesn't make sense. I live in New Kent. I know that area very, very well. And that's something that I could service. And, and, you know, I might do better with that client because of the geography, not because I'm a better agent or anything like that. Um, but just, I know that area and, it, and it's going to be a lot more convenient for me to show that house, you know, especially in this market in the couple of hours notice that we need to get there and get that done. It also really helps. I mean, you mentioned going out of area. Um, I, you're going to do it on occasion when you get a client that doesn't know what area they want to be in, right? They, they say, sure. yep, yeah, I want to be in the rural area. Yeah, New Kent. And you're like, okay, that's great. I'm, I'm definitely going to take you on. And then they wind up in, say, Dolphin, Virginia. And you know exactly who I'm talking about on this one. Um, and, and you're going to stay with them, right? You're going you're gonna to stay and do the right thing. And that, that is the right thing. But some of the difficulties on transactions like that is we don't have the service providers we have in our area. I mean, the truth is, if you need a roof and we need to pay for it at closing, I have connections in Central Virginia. In Richmond, I can get that done, no problem. We go out to Dolphin and they go, where is Dolphin, first of all? And once you've explained that to them, they're trying to be very nice to you. But the likelihood that they're going to actually go and do what they said they were going to do and, 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 and follow all the way through is not as likely. It just isn't. You know, we've got some great provide, you know, service providers that do a good job for us. And, and you know, they owe us. I like to remind them of that regularly because I think that's funny. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's definitely one of the things that I think you're doing right. You know what I mean? As I go off on my tangent. Um, so well, what would go ahead? The other the other part of that. Well, the other part of that is also you do land really well, right? You know land, you know land better than any agent I know, truthfully. So I don't know anything about land other than when I built on my own house, you know, built my own house on the land. But even at that, it was the builder's land. And so I learned a little bit here and there. I don't know anything about commercial property. I don't know anything about farms. And this is what I tell people. I am Chick-fil-A. I make really damn good chicken. Like, it's good. I know what I'm doing. Every day the recipe is the same. I know exactly how to handle it. I'm not dealing with burgers and filet of fish and hot dogs and, you know, all of these other different things. I stay in my lane. So what's nice about our co-op as well is that we're also being a little bit strategic on, like, if I get a land deal, I'm referring it to Danny because I don't know what I'm doing. It's good for Danny. It's good for that client. And it's good for me because I'll get a referral fee. So... I think when you really look and evaluate at what you're good at, you don't have to have all eight slices of the pie. I'm okay with two or three slices because that'll fill me up. Yeah, and it's definitely an abundance mindset. If you don't know where your next deal is coming from, it's a lot harder to give it up. 
when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're doing your activities, you're staying consistent with your database, you know you're gonna get another deal. It's not a big deal that you're gonna pass on one that's gonna be outside of your wheelhouse, that you're not gonna be the best agent for them. Cause that's one of the, the main things that we bonded on was like, hey, it's client first. Like that's their priority is the priority. And then we figure out where we fit in and how we serve them best. Uh, the other thing that I found talking about synergy you have pushed me towards technology and that sort of thing because I'm very, very <laughs> systematic and old fashioned and I make my phone calls and, uh, you know, uh, you know, even the text messages, which I'm better about. But, uh, you know, it, it was not my strong suit, as you know, and that that's been fun. And then Danny likes the, the phone calls. Oh, I do. I because I, I can read you and I can hear what you're saying and I can I can. You know, I can feel it. I sometimes like, I like a text when it's like, what's the address? What time are we meeting? Where it's very black and white. But when the client sends that text at 10 o'clock and then they go to bed and you're looking at it and going, all right, what do they mean? You know, that's always difficult for me. Um, yeah. We're very different in that sense. That's also good though, too. You know, we complement each other, but Danny, Danny likes to talk it out. I like a quick text and be done. Uh, but I know that Danny knows too, though, if I'm calling, like I probably really need to chat because I'm not typically mm -hmm. a caller, but that's good too, because that the different communication styles is also something you got to look at when you're servicing your clients. You know, if somebody needs to talk to me on the phone constantly, probably not the client or the agent for them and probably not the client for me. I don't mind talking on the phone, you know, when it's needed, but some people need that extra, you know, that's the only way I'm going to communicate. And that's just not natural for me these days. So, you know, it, it we really do um, counter each other very, very well. Yeah. The other thing that I brought was a little bit more of the systems because, you know, we talk about that all the time. And you know, I love my systems. I'm like, this is the steps. This is how we break it down. Uh, and you do not care for that as much, but it really works for us because I put my system down and I'm like, all right, well, here are the steps, Shannon. Why don't you take this step and you'll run that step to like 42 in a direction that I would have never gone that far. Very detailed, yeah. non-system person, if you will. I'm very detailed for a non-system person. That's it's really, it's really strange. It's well, because it's that high D that kind of is first for me, right? I'm a, I'll make a decision, even if it's the wrong decision, as long as I make a decision. Um, but I want it done correctly. So I am very detailed, but you are very good at the systems. And I think that goes to show for the other agents as well. You don't have to be a high D to make it in this business. You don't have to be a high I to make it in this business. You don't have to be an S, you don't have to see. It works for everybody because you're going to end up attracting the people that you should be working with. Now, weirdly enough, I attract a lot of CS clients. And I think that's because my reviews, you know, every time I get a call from a Google, uh, a Google review, somebody will say, oh, I found you on Google. I know immediately who I'm dealing with. I'm usually dealing with an SC and I, I do okay with them because I can, I'm, I don't mean this to sound this way, but I can steamroll, right? Because I can drive the bus. I, I like to be the bus driver. I do well with other high Ds because they can, you know, get, make a decision to move on. I sometimes have a harder time with the eyes because they want to chat all the time. And I have very little eye, which is odd because I'm very personable, but I'm not the, the life of the party unless I've had a drink or two. But 
you really can find that this business is good for all different personalities. And, you know, I don't have to be systems oriented to make it work. I, my business would be tenfold if I were systems oriented and it would be, you know, I probably have a large team and what have you, but it's just not what works for me. So now Danny and I complement each other in that sense. So I can help him with social and he can help me with systems. So talking through kind of what the things that we've been doing differently in this market, um, maybe we'll talk, touch on some of the things that we're seeing in offers that has been, you know, working or coming the closest to working. Uh, that seems to be a, a hot subject mm -hmm. for us. I know you love the non-refundable earnest money deposit. Um, I do. That, that seems to be- I don't one. like it for buyers, but I love it as listing agent. It, it does definitely get the listing agent's attention. I will say that, because I've definitely done it as well. Uh, one of the other strategies I'm using, and I, and I believe you're doing it too, is the pre-inspection. Because some of the nice things about these bidding periods is they're giving us enough time that if you go really early in the morning, you can usually get a home inspector in there. And maybe it's not a full-blown inspection, but it's definitely we get to check all the major systems of the house, you know, air conditioning and foundation and that sort of thing. Uh, and that kind of gives you possibly, depending on what you find at that pre-inspection, gives you the, the a little bit of uh, more information to, to confidently write that, uh, the in, you know, waiving the inspection on the, the offer. Is that something that you've done? What was your experience on that? What are your feelings on that? Did that quite a few times last summer, especially in the spring when it was crazy. I think it's a good way for you to be competitive. There are some disadvantages uh, and obviously some advantages. The advantages are you can be more confident and maybe waiving that inspection and making yourself the most competitive in the situation. The disadvantage is you could do that home inspection and might not get the house. So you just spent, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars, whatever it was, to have that walk and talk. It's not the most thorough inspection. Now they are looking at the major systems, which is what we should be focused on anyway. Um, but there is a little risk in that you still might not get the house. And you do have to ask the permission of the listing agent who has to get the permission of the seller. But if you're selling it to the listing agent properly, which is hey, look, this is great because we're going to be able to be confident and waive the inspection. You want us to bring an offer with the inspection waived, don't you? I've never had anybody say no that they won't let us do it. So I do think it's a, it's a good thing to do if you have the time to get somebody in there. And usually the walk and talk is a half hour to an hour long. Mm -hmm. And they're just looking at the you know HVAC, the roof and what have you. Um, I do like the non-refundable earnest money when I am the listing agent. Now, if you are a buyer's agent, that can be a little risky because they might have a boat and they might get those HOA docs and find that they can't keep their boat in the driveway and they can get out of the contract because you cannot rescind somebody's right for that three-day get-out-of-jail-free card. But if you made the EMD non-refundable based on uh, HOA docs, then yeah, they can get out based on the HOA documents but they're going to lose their earnest money. But that's great for the seller because they took a chance on your contract and now they get to keep the $3,000, $5,000 that you put up. And oh, by the way, now they have a black eye because they got to go back on the market and somebody's going to say, well, wonder what happened. And, and it could just be, I literally had somebody walk once that the um, blinds could not be colored curtains and blinds, even on the inside. It was crazy. And um, somebody walked on that. So then people are going, well, what's wrong with the house? So it is, it's, it's a nice little consolation prize for the seller. So I think that that's good. I've seen people 
pay for sellers moving costs. Mm -hmm. I've seen people pay for sellers moving trucks. Like, hey, we're going to pay for your move or we're going to give you $5,000. One thing I really like, and um, I don't see many people doing it here in our market, is you know how people are saying, hey, we're going to list on Thursday and we're going to have showings Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if we're fortunate to receive offers, mm -hmm. we will review them on Monday. Well, what I love to do is if the client really, really loves the house, we can say, hey, listen, Danny, if you really like this house, let's go in with a strong offer. It's going to have to be over asked mm -hmm. with great terms. And we might be able to get them to answer a little early if we write in there, you know, if the seller accept this, accepts this offer by 11 p.m. tonight, put the date in there, purchaser will give a $5,000 bonus. If it is not accepted by this time, this is a void line or something like that. I've written that in and actually have had that work. I really like that because I know for a fact a lot of agents are waiting till the last minute to, to submit their offers. And you know because the listing agent's calling you back and they're entertaining everything you're saying and they're really into it. And when they have other offers that are better than yours, they don't do any of that. They, they are kind of take a number, stand over there, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'm usually in the lead right up until that last day. So, if you can get them to bite early, you know, and, and it costs you a little money, that's, that's fine too, while they, while they still don't have that confidence. Because come Monday when they're looking at offers, yeah. they come flooding in. I mean, I definitely have seen that. That bonus, yeah, that bonus can make the difference. It needs to be compelling. I mean, you can't say I'm going to give you a $1,000 bonus. I mean, I would say at the very least it needs to be 5000 You need it to be enough where the seller is going, ooh, but I don't know if we're going to get more, and they're going to give us extra. So not only are they giving us over ask and great terms, but they're also going to give us five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 bonus if we accept it tonight. Uh, so I think it can work in that sense. And by the way, for the agents that get their offers in last minute, that's a dangerous little game you're playing. I always want to get it in as soon as possible because that seller does not have to wait. Even if they said they're going to wait mm -hmm. till Monday, they get a rocking offer. Like I just said, they can accept it on Friday, Saturday, whenever they want. And oh, by the way, now you're not even in the conversation because you waited till the very last day to get in. I never understand. I get that agents are like, well, maybe I can feel out if there's other offers and we'll base our offers depending on that. No, get it in there so that you're in the conversation because if that seller accepts it early, you weren't even part of it. And it's really interesting to me that um, agents are, they'll say, well, do you have any offers? I'm like, what's the matter? Like, well, because then we might change our offer based on it. Why? You should be going in with your best offer. Now, when I'm a buyer's agent, sure, I'm going to ask you if you have any offers. I'm going to shoot my shot. But in my mind, I'm going, I were them, I wouldn't answer me because I should just be going in with my client's best offer. Like I shouldn't be playing, well, if they don't have any, I'm gonna go in, you know, twenty thousand dollars lower because then you're just gonna tick them off. Or, you know, if I know they have ten, I might my clients might not even want to write an offer then because they don't want to get into a bidding war, which everything is these days. So just go in with your best offer, whether that's an escalation clause or not, but it doesn't matter if they have other offers. What matters is, does your buyer want the house and what are they willing to pay for it? Well, that the escalation clause completely protects you. If they don't have anything else, then this is where my offer is. I mean, that escalation clause is kind of, you know, I use that regularly. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, and this is predominantly for realtors, so they probably do, uh, you know, it's basically a clause saying, hey, we'll beat any offer by $1,000 up to this dollar amount. The other thing, if you're not going to do a pre-inspection or you're not comfortable or that house isn't in condition for that, the other thing I really like is the capped home inspection. We won't ask for any minor things. This is the dollar amount. Uh, and then wording that correctly is also really important. Uh, 
we we recently did, and you'll laugh at this, Shannon, because you'll remember this, a contest with our agents to see who could fill out the contract correctly. Um, I don't know. I'm seeing that so much where it's just absolute. Just It doesn't even make sense. And if their number's high enough, I'll help them fix it. But if it's not, you're kind of just like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. You know? Um, yeah, so the last listing I had, we had uh, 13, 14 offers. The ones where they couldn't even check a box. I know agents are like, what, why does that make a difference? Because it does. When you have 13, 14 offers to pick from and you're sloppy, you're showing that you're going to be sloppy throughout the transaction. And by the way, my, my contracts are always checked. I'm anal retentive about checking all of the box. You have to check whether it's prevailing or fixed rate. Otherwise, I don't know what you're doing because if you don't check prevailing, you could get out if the, you know, the rate goes over and what have you. And a side note to escalation clauses. See, now I'm getting hot. Uh, there are people that will say no escalation clauses, that they're not going to review them. Here's the truth. Agents have to present all offers. So if you really want to use an escalation clause, you can. Sure, you might tick off the agent that said don't use any escalation clauses, but the truth is they have to present all offers. So it, they can't really dictate that it's off the table. Yeah, no, they have to present it, and they can advise their seller to go a different route, possibly. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also the seller's, you know, it's, it's the seller's prerogative as to which offer is best for them. Um, you know, I get a lot of clients or, or agents who call me and say, what are your clients looking for? And I usually go with truckloads of money and a quick closing date and no contingencies. I mean, we're at a point where everybody's looking for kind of the same thing. Occasionally, you'll run into somebody where it's like timing is more important than money or we need to rent back or something like that. But I do think it's a good idea to talk to the agent and kind of see where they're coming from. And hopefully, you, you know, you'll find something there. Um, and I know that I, I know from you, Shannon, that you have a hard appointment after this. So we'll kind of wrap up because I don't want to take all your time up. But I did want to uh, just touch on some of the fun questions. What is your favorite quote that you've heard? Because I know you do a lot of the self-development stuff like I do. Um, you only get out of life what you have the courage to ask for, which I think is from Oprah who got it from Maya Angelou. Okay. I like that one. That one's nice. Uh, what would your superpower be? If you had a superpower, what would it be? Relationship building. Okay. Good judge of character. I would agree with that. Definitely. Uh... Oh, do you want like a Marvel superpower? No, I was going with that. But um, yeah, give me your Marvel superpower. I would like, do you remember um, that movie with Mel Gibson where he could read women's minds? I would love to know what people are really thinking because I really wish more people said what they were thinking. Okay. I can see that. I don't, I don't know that that would make this world better where they cancel you for every little thing. There'd be a lot of throat punching going on. There really, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with me. I really appreciate you supporting me, not just on the podcast, but in general and uh, look forward to uh, continuing to build our little brand together. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to apply this information to your business immediately. This message will not self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, agents.